I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know, it's got a really awesome stag logo. What, what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golic. Guys, it all comes down to this. Undefeated Washington, undefeated Michigan. Tonight, we cannot wait. Washington pits their high-powered offense, led by Heisman runner-up Michael Penix Jr. against Michigan's stifling defense that leads the FBS in fewest points allowed. And as if that wasn't enough intrigue for all of you, the backdrop of all of this, whether or not it will be Jim Harbaugh's last game as head coach of the Wolverines, Here's what he had to say about what a win would mean to him and this team. What it would mean to me, you know, for, for my kids to know their dad is a, is a national champion. And for my parents and for my brother and my sister, um, that's, that's, the over, that's the overwhelming thing, just that, that so many people uh, uh, would, in, would be able to enjoy that, be a part of that. For my wife, you know, for her husband to be a to be a national champion. For me, um, you know, not so much as, but for everybody else, yeah, that's, uh, that would be huge. Absolutely hysterical to me that he's like, it would, this would be huge for my wife. For me, uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, it'd, be, so it'd be fine for me, but she, she would get to go home and be with a national champion Yeah, I was night. like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Just, sure. Uh, 
Jim Harbaugh this weekend and all the quotes I heard out of media day sounded like if you gave Bill Walton an Adderall, like he was every bit as like existential. <laughs> and when he got asked about his job, he'd be like, I just hope that there's a tomorrow and a day after that. And that I have a future on this earth and all these things to avoid answering the obvious questions in the lead up to the game that uh, I, I don't know. We're not all that surprised about, but uh, Jim Harbaugh in front of the Mike dad, once again, a treasure. And he is now the favorite going into the national championship game. So he is expected to give his wife and his children the honor of being fathered and husbanded by a national champion in this game. <laughs> I, I I don't know how you feel, Dad, in the lead up. I am going to pick the Washington Huskies. I said that coming off of the semifinal games. I've gone back and watched. I've read a lot of the information. I'm going to stick with the pick of Washington. If you asked me for sound betting advice, I would think the Washington plus the points would be the way to go in that because I think this can be a close game. But I don't feel great about it, Dad, because this Michigan team on both sides of the ball really pushes people around. You saw that on full display in the Rose Bowl. And Washington's defense, every time you turn on the tape, seems like they are very willing to get moved around if you let them. And I, I the worry for Washington is Michigan is so stubborn in the way that they call this. If you leave the door open for them to punch you in the face repeatedly, they will oblige over and over and over again. We saw it against Penn State. Where did they finish that game on, what, 32 or 33 straight runs or something ridiculous like that? I mean, talk about an old lineman's dream to get in a three-point stance and go straight ahead and try and move another human being. That's what you you fatties live for, right? I shouldn't say that. Whoa, You're much easy better with athletes the F today. Easy Sorry with about the F that. Word. Sorry about that. Much better athletes uh, in, in this day. So they'd much rather run block uh, like that. And Blake Corum <laughs> says, thank you very much. I'll hide behind you guys and and do my thing. Michigan's the better, more balanced team, right? On offense, defense, yeah, they're more balanced. Washington is so offensive heavy, but I'm with you. I'm going with Washington as well. Not, not just is the number four, four and a half. I know it's been fluctuating back and forth. I'm picking Washington to win just because they have the ability to get back in a game and a play. So no matter where this goes, yeah. they have the ability to strike to get back. Michael Penix is. I, I, as I said, everybody, some people that are jumping on him now, the bandwagon, I've been on this guy since last year. I love what he does. I think his game translates beautifully to the next level as well. It helps when you have a couple of home run hitters, uh, you know, at wide receiver as well. So I am going to go with them. Let, let's see again how the injuries stack up. The big one being Dylan Johnson. They're running back with the foot and a little bit of a knee. Uh, knows he won't be 100%. But there's more than a few guys tonight, as we know, Mike, that aren't going to be 100%. But you don't care. I've never been in a game like this. You have. Your adrenaline is going to kick in, and you're going to be ready to go. And it's two programs that have – it's been a long time. It's like if our alma mater can get back to the national championship game, you know, and win one, it would have been since 1988. For Washington, it's 1991. And remember, this is before – any of the, the playoffs yeah. they, have, they have right now. In 91 for Washington, they were co-champs with Miami. In 97, Michigan, I believe, was co-champs with Nebraska. With Nebraska. So that, yeah, so that's how long it's been for these two teams, and someone will be that outright winner uh, tonight. So hope we get a great game, right? I mean, as, as two guys like us, who we have no horse in this race at all. We'll pick it because that's what we do. I just hope it's a great game. I, I really do. I, I hope we see the stars be the stars. And then what 
non-star, because I always love that storyline, what non-star, non-player that we haven't talked about has that game? All of a sudden has that game of a lifetime. Does somebody step up uh, and do that kind of thing? So that that's something I'm I'm really, really looking forward to. Just give me a good game, right? I mean, that that that's one of the big things that we want. You wait all year uh, for this game. So just just give me a good game. Just, just give me something to kind of well, hang my hat on a I, little I, bit. I think everyone's worried coming off of last year, right? Because we had two good semifinal right. games last year, and then we got to the national championship game, and it was a stinker. It was one that, quite honestly, as someone who got blown out in a national championship game, I was like, all right, put a little bit of distance between us and everybody's memory of the worst national championship blowout because yep. it was worse for TCU. I'm sorry, guys. I care about you, but I needed somebody else to start taking the heat for this. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I, and I think we're in better position for that for the reasons you mentioned, right? Because dad when i look at this game and i look at the things that michigan has been able to be successful with and was successful with against alabama it's going to line up much the same way for them against washington like you look in that last game what did michigan do they took advantage of linebackers in the middle of the field for alabama they put them especially in man coverage in a bunch of compromised positions you had blake gore blake corum working out really well as a receiver in the tight end room colston loveland's been a big time threat for Michigan all year. That's where Washington's going to have to have their eyes because for the guys in that linebacker room who can at times get a little bit lost, that's going to be the place I'm sure Michigan's going to target again. And so it, it for me, dad, looking at this game, if Washington, you know, if we look at side by side, right, if we look at this Michigan offense that we've talked about downhill coming into this year, their offensive line was the two time back to back Joe Moore award winning offensive yep. line who I'm sure feels some type of way about the fact that Washington across the field for them is now the holders of that trophy. The Washington Huskies this year were the Joe Moore award winner for the best offensive line in college football. Deb Washington's going to have to decide early in this game who they are going to let potentially beat them. And I don't know how there's any world where you let that be Blake Corum, Donovan Edwards, or anybody in that backfield and associated with the offensive line. I think you got to load the box and dare JJ McCarthy to beat you over the top yep. over and over again. And I get there's good guys in that wide receiver room in there. Cornelius Johnson and company, Roman Wilson, they're all capable players. But that being said, I want to see him do it and I want to see him do it again. And I want to see him do it again and again and again, because the path of least resistance is the one right down state street. And the last thing I want to do and Washington's willing to do it. Like you go back and watch the Texas game. You go back and watch any game this year. If the other team runs two tight ends, which Michigan is want to do Washington's happy to match big bodies. They're happy to cover down. They're happy to get five across three down spacing bare front. The kind of stuff Alabama did in the second half for the Rose Bowl and by the way did a decent job of stopping Michigan on some of those runs yeah. in the second half dad I think Washington's got to be willing to do that basically down in and down out because you do not have the horses to run with them if you're not putting an extra guy in the box on damn near every play no I, I agree you got some big boys up front on the interior of that D line that Washington is going to have to rely on to hold up uh, but th this, oh, while the Washington O-line, we talk about winning that Joe Moore award, we know how good the Michigan O-line is, even though they lost Zach Zinner, you know, a few games ago, which is, is a shame, the leader of that offensive line. That's the thing about it is you can hold up for a while, but as you said, you got to do it again and again and again for 60 minutes because you can get worn on. Michigan can wear on you and wear you down 
Uh, they, they've completely out physical an Alabama team, which you don't see happen a lot. But it was a non-throwing Alabama team. That's the difference here. Can they sack Penix Jr.? Can they, they'll get to him, but can they sack him? Penix does a great job of sliding and, and getting out of harm's way. He can also get rid of the ball quickly because Odunze and Polk, Michigan's got to have an answer for that. Those guys can, can go deep, and those guys can turn short ones into long runs. Uh, so that's, that's the thing to me. The biggest difference in this game is you had an Alabama offense that was not a good passing offense at all, and Michigan just overwhelmed them, even though that game went to overtime. They physically outdid them. And they can do that again here, but, man, if Penix gets that ball out of his hand to one of these receivers, that could spell big-time trouble for Michigan of giving up a big play. So I'll push back on one thing. I don't think Alabama was a non-passing offense. I think their deep passing developed a lot as the year went along. They were a bad pass protection offense, and that was true yeah. all year. They were, I mean, as bad as we've seen any Alabama unit in a long time in getting the quarterback hit. And part of that is also on Jalen Milrow, the quarterback. When you look, anytime you see, and I think this is instructive here when you look at this stat I'm about to give you, is when it look, when you look at pressure percentage, percentage versus back percentage the delta between the two tends to be something that I attribute to the quarterback or the play caller and when you look at this Washington team their uh, pressure percentage was somewhere around I think 23 percent their sack percentage was like two percent Michael Penix Jr. is a big reason why we're even right. earlier in the year where I don't think he was always the most accurate when he was under pressure in a way that he was completely, he was unconscious in that Sugar Bowl game in terms of accuracy under duress because Texas got to him plenty, but they couldn't get him down. That is because Michael Penix Jr. is mobile enough to get you out of trouble and smart enough to get the ball out of hand. And I think you attribute that to Ryan Grubsum, the play caller in this game for the Washington Huskies on that side. So you're right, Dad. I mean, one of the keys to this game, if you look down to it, if Michigan is going to win this game, in my mind, it's because they're going to dominate in the run game out of 11 personnel. I do think you'd have some opportunities if you're them to have Colston Loveland be the only tight end on the field. See if Washington's going to stick with matching personnel and then try and absolutely destroy them in those looks. And then the other part of this is you have to take Michael Penix Jr. down. You can't get pressure on him. Yeah. You can't yep. get close. You've got a sack dude. And this is an offensive line that's much better than Alabama's and a team that's in a much better position schematically to make that not the case. So I think that to me is the pivotal matchup in this entire game because Washington's defense is going to get run on. That's not an if, that's a yes. when thing yes. for me. But this is the variable. This is the one in my mind that hangs in the balance of if Michigan's D-line can overcome what Washington's done so well in a true strength-on-strength strength matchup. Yeah, Penix has been sacked just 10 times this year, and you're right, it's a combination of O-line and Penix escaping and getting rid of the ball. You know, you sit there and talk about big stories, too, you know, certainly from a player standpoint, but even coaches. The Ryan Grubb story is amazing. He's the play caller, OC, for Washington. A guy who at one point was, I believe, living in his sister's laundry room, pouring concrete until he got a wow. chance at Sioux Falls, you know, with, with with the coach, with the Boers, when he was at Sioux Falls, winning, winning titles there. And I, what it's turned into to now this guy, you know, the play caller for possibly a national championship team. So a lot going to fall on his shoulders of the actual play calling and how you attack this best defense, you know, in the national or in college football. 
You know, they're they're the Baltimore Raven version of the best defense in the NFL. Though Baltimore will get at, come after you a little more on blitzes, that's for sure. Uh, but it's but it's an excellent defense. So so Ryan Grubb certainly has his work cut out for him and coming up with a game plan. But a great story with him as well. It's an awesome story for Kalen DeBoer and that staff. There's a lot of Sioux Falls ties in there. Kalen DeBoer was obviously a guy that was a great player at Sioux Falls, cut his teeth there early on as a coach, has the championship experience from there. And that staff has been a group that's largely stayed together through the years in some critical spots. And so you couple that with a Michigan staff on the other side, dad, that We've seen the way that Sharon Moore, the offensive coordinator for Michigan, who was the interim head coach at that time, we saw how emotional he was talking about Jim Harbaugh, how close that staff is, how close that team is, how bonded they are by everything that they've gone through self-inflicted in my opinion with the Michigan sign stealing scandal that's gone on but that they've now weaponized as that chip on their shoulder both of these teams when you look at it from that standpoint because everyone always looks for maybe who has an emotional edge going into this game where like you said you you walk in and I can assure you adrenaline's going to carry you for the first drive then it's football then it's who can weather when the first thing goes wrong in this game like I always said if you're the lesser talented team and overall Washington's the lesser talented team of the two, you know, if you're going to stack it up man to man on the roster, you only get so many opportunities to screw up at the beginning of this game before the quicksand sets in. And that was what we felt yeah. in that game against Alabama, a team that had been there before who understood that stage and who weathered the storm early on. We had a couple mistakes, bad review on an out of bounds play, a muff punt that didn't go our way and couldn't claw back out of that hole because you start to feel, Oh my God, it's happening on this stage. Michigan's got a lot of that togetherness and they've got the experience from the last couple of playoffs. Washington dad, all they've done is win close games this year, 10 games now decided by a touchdown or less. And a lot of them where they've had to claw their way out of some bad situations. You can't, you got to kill them twice. They're like a horror movie villain where if you don't put them down twice, Washington's going to find their way back in. So I think from that standpoint, it's a remarkably even matchup with two teams that temperament wise are going to be able to withstand those early blows and give us a good game. So I look at also the Washington defense. As I said, they got some big guys on the inside to help try and stop that run. But if they have to get after the passer, I'm interested in Braylon Trice. Of his, he had better production last year than this year. Didn't quite match the production this year. But then all of a sudden against Texas, two sacks, six pressures on Quinn Ewers as well. He was in the backfield all the time. So what effect can he carry on from that and have that effect and get in McCarthy's face, you know, on those passing situations? Because that's where we all have trust. Anybody breaking this game down has trust in the Washington offense. It's kind of the Washington defense where you go, okay, can they hold up? for 60 minutes against this this bludgeoning Michigan offense. And because of Washington's offense, can you put Michigan in a position to have to pass? And if you do, then for lack of a better term, it's got to try to become the Braylon Trice show, kind of how it was against Texas for him to at least be pressuring McCarthy. Yeah, and, and to your point about if you make this a passing attack for Michigan, you look back to the season – only 12% of their passes were thrown 20 or more yards down the field. They were 107th in college football. They're not built for a shootout in that way, at least not that we've seen consistently. So you're right, and that's the way. And for Chuck Morrell, the defensive coordinator for the Washington Huskies, I think you spelled it out there, Dad. Like, again, if we're going to do keys to victory for them, 
Braylon Trice has to have another monster game for those guys. And they moved him around the way you like to see D lineman done uh, in that regard. And the defense has to take chances. Like they've got to sell out on early downs to make sure you don't let Michigan get running yards in there. And then we've seen, they like to get all up in your grill on those passing downs. Michigan is going to challenge their linebackers to cover running backs and tight ends in those spots. And they have got to count on their guys getting to JJ McCarthy and making it uncomfortable. You've got to take chances. I think against that group on defense, if you're going to make something happen against this Michigan team. Listen, I mean, we, we all kind of, unless you're a Michigan fan, you hope this happens, but in watching the game, and if you want a really good game, you kind of go, uh-oh, a little bit. Washington, let's just be honest. I mean, they're batting against the run, right? What, 121st out of 123 teams against the run? And Michigan loves to go downhill with play Corum. I mean, this could turn into a 10-12 play drive Michigan team controlling the clock and making Washington have to score quickly to stay even with Michigan or try and get up on Michigan. That's 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 again the fear for those that don't have a, ho- a Washington fan or don't have a horse in this race just to see Michigan just absolutely control the clock all of a sudden if you see them having the ball for eight minutes more nine minutes more than 10 minutes more and just controlling it and really putting the pressure on the Washington offense to have to score quick that's it right that that's just this Michigan O line oh. getting you know white knuckled white fingered heavy stance and just coming off the ball. If Michigan can be time of possession, all stars in this game, dominate on the run, attack Washington's linebackers and sack Michael Penix. Yeah, this is the ultimate styles make fight game. If you look up and see them out of out possessioning them by 10 or 12 minutes, then yeah, Michigan will have won this game and could potentially do it handily. But again, you and I both picking the Huskies, expecting another monster Michael Penix Jr. game, expecting this one to be back and forth for them to try and stress test this great defense for the Michigan. Michigan Wolverines. We're all excited to watch uh, the last game of the college football season coming up tonight. Boy, oh boy. I'm uh, very, very interested to see how this one goes. Coming up next, we'll look back at the NFL and our all weekend team here on Gojo and Golden. I want to talk about Jägermeister. Dad, what do you know about Jägermeister? I mean, well, really, all I know is it's got a really awesome stag logo. What what else do I need to know about Jägermeister? Well, uh, you should know that you've been drinking it all wrong this entire time. Damn, that's cold. There's a right and wrong way to drink it? Yes, there is, Dad. You should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit, to be exact. Huh? Well, you know what? That explains a lot. I've just been pulling it straight off the shelf. Oh, Dad, I'm so glad I got to you in time. No, that is entirely wrong. The only way to serve Jägermeister is ice cold. So wherever you're at, if you're hanging out with friends or you're at the bar or you're helping your dear sweet father try and get right, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Let's take a look at the NFL playoff matchups after Week 18's action. 
Guys, some great revenge narratives in the wild card round. We got Matt Stafford, Tyree Kill, both taking on their former teams. Very exciting. Cowboys and Mike McCarthy hosting the team he coached for 13 years prior to joining Dallas. And it won't be Deshaun Watson under center for the Browns, but the team that traded him away brings their new man into Cleveland on Saturday. Guys, so many intriguing matchups. So many teams we didn't think would be here at this point. Uh, which are the juiciest for you? What do we think? Well, I mean, God, it, there's so many ways to go in this, Dad, because I think every first-round matchup offers us something pretty interesting, whether it's on-field or about the way that we perceive these teams. You mentioned Mike McCarthy and the conversation that Jerry Jones is or isn't having about his future, taking it game by game in the postseason. The Philadelphia Eagles, who were a disaster down the home stretch of this season. Uh, Dad, I still I can't help but have my eye wander back over, though, to the AFC coming off of what we saw with the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs, who now look prime to somehow find a way to be one of the last few teams standing in the AFC based on what we've seen from everybody else here. So I, I don't know. What about you? What do you look at in this first round that stands out to you? You're going to be calling well, that Cowboys and Green Bay Packers game on wild card weekend as well. So I know you've got that to look forward to. So let, let me ask you an overall question first, and then we'll get into it. There are four teams in the playoffs who have never won a Super Bowl, okay? Cleveland, Houston, Buffalo, Detroit. So let's start there. Of those four teams, which in your mind has the best chance to not just get to the Super Bowl, but win that first Super Bowl? Houston, Buffalo, Cleveland, Buffalo, Detroit. Buffalo. I would say Buffalo pretty just just because, uh, again, and I know it's reductive, but we've seen the way that that team has played down the home stretch of the season. We had the conversation about how turnovers sort of obscured the view, even on a team that defensively we know has cracked a little bit because of age, the wear and tear, the injuries to that group overall, but they've seemingly been able to overcome it. And they've got a quarterback that's just playing at an ungodly level right now and shows no signs of slowing that down. Even if there's a couple of turnovers mixed in dad, yeah. that Cleveland defense is incredible. They deserve a ton of credit, but I do wonder if at some point the clock strikes midnight on Joe Flacco in a matchup like that when it's back and forth. And then the other team you mentioned at the lions, we've seen their defense perform a lot better. I still have worries, especially if they're outdoors in the postseason somewhere with what that group would be able to do against some of the upper level competition, i.e. the San Francisco 49ers to me, who are still the clear class of the NFC. Yeah. I mean, for Detroit, I, I would just because you know, you root for the underdog. I'd love to see them make a run, but I don't think it would shock anybody if LA came there and beat them, right? The way the no. Rams are playing, if the Rams go to Detroit and win that game, wouldn't shock me at all. Buffalo having Pittsburgh visit there. I mean, you have TJ Watt with a grade two MCL sprain, you know, hurt. You're playing with a backup quarterback, even though he's been winning in Mason Rudolph. I like where Buffalo is right now. But man, I'll tell you what, Mike, those red zone turnovers can really hurt you in a in a lose and go home scenario, right? I mean, they were playing a Dolphin team last night who was really, you know, kind of a mash unit. Wasn't wasn't the, that their best. And I mean, Josh Allen throws two picks in the end zone, gets stripped of a ball. Uh, he he was responsible for th all three turnovers last night. You I will say the, the second turnover and the second turnover in the end zone didn't matter to me. That was fourth down. That was essentially a punt. The change in yard 
yardage was like 20 some odd yards. So I, once you decide to go for it on fourth down there, in my mind, you open your up to that. Right. That's less a red zone turnover to me than what it is in the end zone, taking a chance in that situation. The other two are warranted. I totally understand that. And that's built into the Josh Allen narrative at this point, yeah, but just for, you know, it, the all intents and purposes, that second interception to me, that's a cost of doing business play, but in general, you're right. And that's sort of what we talked about with Josh dad, where it's, you don't seem to at this juncture be able to get the best of Josh without a little bit of risk of that at yeah, all times. Yeah. You could argue the second half of last night, he did start to heed the advice that Sean McDermott mentioned going right, into halftime. Right take a little bit more of what's there, take a little bit more of what the defense has given to you. But with him as a rusher, especially, I think some of that stuff, the fumble was him getting sacked in the pocket. I hardly put that on him. Maybe yeah. a better ball security, but yeah. you also yeah. had Christian Wilkins, yet another interior defensive lineman making life very hard for Osiris Torrance and that Buffalo Bills interior. If anything, that's what might worry me is the fact that we've seen now, if you've got a quality defensive tackle, that's a matchup that's going to be in your favor against the Buffalo Bills interior currently. And Miami has that in Wilkins and Sealer. Sealer set a record for uh, D tackle sacks. He ended up with 10 and a half uh, for the Miami Dolphins. Um, so they do have some good interior play there. I loved Mike Buffalo's game plan. We talked to Dalton Kincaid, the rookie tight end, after the game about it. The first down little four, five yard pops. They were just hooking up in zones and just making it second and five, second and four, second and five, second and four. You know as an offensive player how good that is for you, and I know as a defensive player how bad that is for your defense. They did a great job there. But I would agree out of those four, I would say Buffalo as well. You still got to go through Baltimore, but I would say Buffalo. The most intriguing one to me, Mike, is Cleveland and Houston. Houston, with all the firsties we keep talking about, that they're how far they are ahead of schedule in, in yeah. not only getting to the playoffs, but winning the division. I mean, now, that also says something about the division and the gag job sure. that Jacksonville did as well. But still, give credit where it's due. They won the games they needed to win. And for Cleveland to lose one of the best running backs in the league in Nick Chubb, well, don't let's not forget about that. And going through four quarterbacks, grabbing a guy off the couch – uh, which really helped Njoku, the tight end, really uh, come out and blossom this year to have one of the best defenses in the NFL. That story has been amazing. Th so that game is very, very, very intriguing to me. But I will agree. I would say Buffalo out of those four would have the best chance uh, to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I got it feels really disingenuous to bring this up in the face of the Cleveland Browns, because again, you can't bring up injury as an excuse. Like I want to, even though Houston is a young team, I think losing guys like tank Dell that they did at the juncture that they did having Nico Collins in and out of, in and out of the lineup there, you know, Noah Brown was out for the game last night, all the different things that they had go on. The offensive line was injured early in the season. They overcame to that. Nobody, even like the Jets have been through it the way that the uh, the Cleveland Browns have been through on an offense. So yeah. there's not an excuse to be had there. There's just a defense that, again, if it hadn't been for how great the Baltimore Ravens have been on defense, Dad, we'd have spent a lot more time talking yeah. about this group in Cleveland. I completely agree. Miami and Kansas City, tough for me to get a handle on that because I don't know who's healthy for Miami. I, I don't. I mean, we've talked about the, the warts of Kansas City this year, but I have no idea who's going to be up and ready to go uh, for Miami. L.A., Detroit, I think, is going to be the two most intriguing games, I think, are Cleveland at Houston and the Rams at Detroit, I think, for sure. And that one is a, is a pick 'em. 
uh, to me. Green Bay and Dallas. Green Bay, and you mentioned it before. I mean, Jordan Love isn't a bystander. Jordan Love has been money. They're 6-2 and two in their last eight games. They've been playing well. Their defense still worries me. Absolutely no doubt about that. And C.D. Lamb was almost the yardage leader. He got passed last night by Tyreek Hill yeah. on that game for leading re- receiving yards in the league. But we know the damage that Dallas offense can do. And this Green Bay defense has not been great by any stretch of the imagination and then philly tampa bay i mean i don't know what philly team is going to be there mike i have no idea but i'll ask this is tampa bay set at quarterback for next year uh i don't think they're set in a way where i look and say baker mayfield's the answer but i think he's going to be the guy because i don't know what the position they're in now what better options they're going to have right yeah okay i would agree with that i think that dude is a man. What what he I, I t, he's a kind of guy you know as an offensive lineman. You would love a, a quarterback like that, right? Works out with the old lineman. Will run through a brick wall. Rarely slides. Is always going to take the hit to try and get the extra yard. He is just fun to watch. But you cringe every time he runs a ball that he is going to get something broken on his body. Baker's a survivor, and he's a guy that's playing with yes. a bunch of injuries right now. Like, it's not sustainable, and I don't think the top-end production is ever going to be anything that wins you a Super Bowl anymore, but he's a survivor, and he's going to get you over that line, which is saying a lot and a big testament to the way that he's done things. So, uh, yeah, there's – oh, man, the more I keep looking at it, we keep talking about that Dolphins and Kansas City matchup. That feels like it's tailor-made for the Chiefs now and all the places that the Dolphins are banged up, on the edges, on the perimeter, turning into the worst possible matchup for Miami at the worst possible time. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. to Gojo and Golik. Let's kick off this segment with a little game of Cash It or Trash It presented by DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code Gojo because life's more fun when you're in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. So guys, on Friday, we presented you with a bet. It was the Pacers-Hawks game total. 
which was one of the largest game totals of all time. It got all the way up to 264.5, the highest total in DraftKings history. Both of you guys said you were cashing the over, and you were both right. Let's go. This game total 266 points in a 150-116 win for Indiana. Pacers had team record 50 assists in the game. Gojo's boy, Halliburton, had 18 of them. Great job, guys. We love to see it. What did you think of the Pacers' mm -hmm. performance? Uh, we love to see uh, the overhit any single time as someone who's looking longingly at the over for the national championship game tonight because they've got the Washington Huskies in this, Dad. Life's too short, and we found that out. I don't think I watched a second of this game because football is not all weekend, but yeah, I appreciate yeah, yeah. them going out there and getting this done for us either way. I'm, listen, I'm an over guy. I know you're an over guy, except when Iowa plays football. Uh, so that's that's the way. I, it's like every time when I was a captain, every time I did a coin flip, I call tails. I call tails. I'll pick over. I'll pick over. And we hit it. You're welcome, everybody. That's right. The Iowa football under is uh, the only sound financial advice that I can give you. It's buying bonds. It's safe. It's secure. And it will make you money over the long run. The Indiana Pacers absolutely could have a spot in our all-weekend team for helping get people paid up, but that's probably not going to be the case. Instead, we're going to take a look at our all-weekend team here, some of the top performers from over the weekend. Uh, Dad, looking at this and starting, we'll go second team and first team today since yeah. we've been trying to pack a lot in here today. And I want to start this off. I'm going to be very running back heavy today. Shout out to my guys. And I'm going to start with the top in, in terms of Career leaders, active career leaders and carries. Number one and number two on that list are Ezekiel Elliott and Derrick Henry. And I want to start right. off with my second teamer going to Ezekiel Elliott. Not for anything that happened on the field because that Patriots-Jets game was bad. The Patriots end up losing what could be Bill Belichick's final home game to a team that they had beaten 15 straight times. And it was an ugly slog in part because it was a snow game. And Ezekiel Elliott was asked after the game. I saw Mark Daniels from Mass.com post the quote. Ezekiel was asked about playing in a snow game, and he said, quote, when I was younger, I always wanted to play in a game in the snow. Then I played a game in the snow and was like, that kind of sucked. Thank you <laughs> for speaking the truth, Zeke, because he's absolutely right. Playing in the snow that gets lionized and glorified by everybody that gets to sit at home on their couch and watch that game isn't actually all that fun unless you're absolutely wearing out the other team and get to do victory snow angels all over the place. Instead, it's just basically wasting a bunch of time game planning during the week for a game where no one's going to have their footing and you're just basically waiting for a fumble or a special team's play to decide the outcome. I disagree. I 100, 1,000% disagree. Give me a snow game. Give me a muddy game on natural turf anytime, Mike, because as nine years in the NFL, I was never, ever, 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 ever close to being the best athlete or near the best athlete on the field. I needed everybody to come down to my level. And the worse the weather, the more they came down to my level. When your average bad weather doesn't really affect you, right? When you're elite, bad weather can affect you. So people would come down to my level a little more in snow games, so I loved them. Give them to me any day of the week. 
I'll take a snow game over a rain game any day and twice on Sunday because being dry is always greater than greater yeah. than, especially True. as the temperatures dip down on there. But no one's playing good football out there. Like I, I just I, I know I don't know. To me, it always seemed like man, we spend so much time working during the week, and then you go out there and it's largely a moot point because you're just trying to do so many of the basic things, like get the freaking snap off in a game like that. So thank you to Zeke Elliott for speaking truth to power, Dad. Who's your second team pick? Second team, I'm going to the defensive side of the ball. And these are kind of like full season type of awards right now for me. I'm going Montez Sweat, formerly of the Washington Commanders, now of the Chicago Bears. And why I mentioned both those teams, Sweat is the first player in NFL history to lead two different teams in sacks during the same season. For Washington, he had six and a half sacks, led Washington. Then he got traded to the Bears. Oh, by the way, on his way, signed a four-year, $98 million deal, 72 of it guaranteed, and proceeded to have six sacks for the Bears, which led the Bears. So the first one to lead in sacks for two teams in one season, that is a chef's kiss right there. Yeah, it was uh, uh – a performance since he came over to Chicago that was really a turning point in their season, Dad, much like when they jettisoned Roquan Smith a year ago and he really solidified the Baltimore Ravens defense and has since. I think you could argue Montez Sweat helped usher in a lot of that for a Bears defense that by the end of the year was playing some really good football. Yep. A team more sound on both lines of scrimmage it quite honestly made a lot of analysts eat their words about the winning mm-hmm. or losing of that trade by the Chicago bears and the resources they gave up to get Montez sweat. So with you on that one baller performance from him, very cool stat that he'll get first team all weekend. Dad, I'm going to go with Derek Henry uh, contractually. It looks like it will be his final game as a Tennessee Titan, the four time pro bowler and two time rushing champ. Went off with his best game of the season to end this one, Dad. He had 153 yards this season, including an 18-yard touchdown run and a 69-yard run that uh, gave them the final score to go ahead and beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, ruined their season in the process. And, you know, it saw the cool moment after the game. He got on the microphone with one of the in-game stadium hosts and was able to thank all of the fans in Tennessee for everything there. We rarely see a guy get to know with this kind of certainty that the end is there at an organization, knowing his career may not well be over. And while I understand the business of football sucks in that way, and you hate to see Derrick Henry probably having to move on, I was glad that everybody kind of got to say their goodbyes in both player and fan base to a guy that's meant a hell of a lot to that organization since he got drafted there. And man, he is going to help a team next year. If even part, Mm. probably more part of a, a duo backfield, which is kind of the, the the more majority of thing now that we see to preserve, you know, his legs and his time in the league. But what what a runner he is! What what a fear of God he has to put into a secondary when he breaks to that second level, and you know that vicious stiff arm is going to drive you into the turf. Uh, so kudos to him. I'm with you. As I said, I did one appearance with him at the draft in Tennessee, and when I met him in person, I was just like. There is no way this human being is a running back. I mean, no way. Oh, dude, I covered him at the Heisman the year he won. And there's a picture of me interviewing him for ESPN radio. And I said to him before, I'm not used to looking eye to eye to running backs. I'm not going to lie. This is a little bit weird for me. 
absolutely uh, amazing uh, what an athlete he is. Mine, you know, I was going to thinking about Sam Laporta, who set a rookie record for tight ends and receptions with 86. Unfortunately, he got the yeah. knee injury. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill. Now, it was a losing effort, and he did have a couple of drops in this game. But overall, Mike, he ends up with 119 receptions, one yard under 1,800 yards, 1,799 yards. He surpassed C.D. Lamb, who had played earlier in the day, in the game last night to lead the league in receptions. So he led the league in receptions. He's the first Dolphin to lead the league in receptions. He has the top two Dolphins receiving yards in the history of their team. Uh, he has he's the first player in NFL history with over 1,700 yards in multiple seasons. He led the NFL in deep receiving yards. He led the NFL in deep receiving touchdowns. I mean, the weapon that he is is just amazing. And that matchup of him and Tua, who is such an accurate passer, you know, that that's why there are those that think this team is actually underachieving now, but you have to throw in injuries to Miami right now. But what Tyreek Hill has done and now goes back to his former team to play the Chiefs in Kansas City, but he is a threat to score no matter where he has the ball. Yeah, he's the most important player on that team. I, I think bar none. Yep. Two is going to get paid and deservedly so, but the offense changes completely. And we saw that because of how the offense morphed when he left Kansas City. It was still successful, but by no means the same. And now he's gone over and allowed this Miami Dolphins to be the next explosive iteration of the Shanahan and McDaniels tree. off the show we have way we always do this that the third three quick stories to send you off into the rest of your day as always make sure you download subscribe rate review us leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live monday through friday 8 to 10 a.m eastern on the DraftKings network DraftKingsNetwork.com, samsung tv plus and more but if you have to miss us live uh and you miss anything else go and check it out get it wherever you get your podcast or available in totality right here on youtube when we get done and guys we got an absolute murderer's row here to finish off the show <laughs> just that in the third let's start off with the images seared into everyone's mind memed into oblivion on the timeline this weekend of the naked bass pro shop swimmer George Owens, 42 years old, was booked into the St. Clair County Jail at 9.39 p.m. and charged with public lewdness, disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, assault on a police officer, and first-degree criminal mischief in reckless endangerment. He dove into the pool in the parking lot of a Bass Pro Shop around 9 p.m. and then ran around the store, stripped naked into the large aquarium at the end of the store after officers arrived. He was eventually taken into custody. Dad, we've been in a plenty of Bass Pro Shops, but if you haven't, yeah. some of the larger ones, this is pretty normal for them to have places yes. where you can actively fish yep. and test out the equipment inside the store. This man felt like testing out his own equipment, and the results were uh, not positive. One of the greatest stores of all time, Bass Pro Shops. If you've never been, go. You could spend days in there. It's like an amusement park, and they have this monster aquarium. And so, listen, first of all, if this guy has anything mentally going on with him, I hope he's okay. Hope he gets the help he needs and all that. Let's sure. let's say that. Then let's go this. I hope the water was cold and that's the reason. Because oh come on, dude, you know if you want to go shrinkage, if you want to go George ah! Costanza, the water I was, was cold. Shrinkage, you know, is and as, as Elaine would say, that a thing? Yes, it's a thing. So. 
Here's my thing. If you're going to do that, man, I mean, if this dude, let's say, was the oh, other no. way, okay? Okay? If if it was kind of an eyebrow raise of, oh, my God, dude would get in trouble law-wise, but once he got out of that trouble, he's becoming a millionaire, right? In the old days, it would be like all of a sudden there would be a film industry that wants him around. But as you said, Mike, in the new days, our only fans, he'd be making money hand over fist. Okay, I mean, if if this dude really had it going on, I mean, that's one way to go ahead and get out there and get noticed about that whole thing, right? No, so I'm basically, you're saying yeah. he could have used the Bass Pro Shops pool as yeah. a place to market his hypothetically large penis, if that were yep. the case, and that that he, penis would then become his ticket to marketable dollars. Dad, I think you're overestimating the marketability of the penis. Yeah, that would be making quite a splash. If you, you know. Oh, well done. As I was saying, he could have been using his own bait to make a lot uh, of money. Yeah. How about that? I think that... Yeah. Um, you, <laughs> yeah, I don't think. Yes, Jesse. Yes, yes, Jesse. I don't yes. think that the nah. this is as marketable as nah. you think it is. Just you know. No, I really well, think you're overestimating the public appetite for this right. right now. I think most okay. most people in general who see this particular organ do so against their will. So. Uh, I would say that uh, this is probably one of the, another one of those spots where <laughs> nobody asked for this. We're glad that there's no. enough shots of it with it, not in the shot that we can use for meme content. And that's about all that's going to be going on here. Hopefully the water was cold. Like I said, that's because that that's all he's going to be saying. Cause he's going to get mocked. He's just going to say the water was cold. The yeah. water was cold. Yeah. Hopefully. I mean, Jesse, Please, God, I just love Jesse trying to comment this? on this. I don't know how to transition <laughs> from this. Speaking of small companions, speaking of small oh. companions, Taylor Swift's cat, <laughs> Olivia <laughs> Benson, <laughs> has a higher net worth than Travis Kelsey. So, according to page six, Taylor Swift's cat, Olivia Benson, is worth $97 million because the cat has been in like commercials with her. It's been part of her merchandise lines, had cameos in a lot of ads for like Diet Coke and stuff like that. So, apparently, the cat has a net worth of $97 million. Kay. Travis Kelsey's net worth, about $40 million. So, the cat, the cat is worth twice as much as her new man. Can I say, this is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my life. Listen, I have, I'm all on the, the Kelsey and Taylor Swift thing. I, 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 my, my NFL brethren that are tired of it and all that, they can stick it. Let's have some fun. I, I love what's going on. But can we stop with this? A cat and net worth. I mean, it's like the commercial where the cat gets the house in a, you know, in in a will. I mean, come on, this is ridiculous. The cat is not worth $96 million. The cat lives a great life. The cat is doing well, but the cat is not worth $96 million. So let's just stop. I don't know. I could I'm see just... Taylor Swift leaving her fortune to her cats. I was going to say that'd be wow. a real like um not last waste of money dynasty. I know. I mean, listen, you have no idea what the cat would do with that money. Maybe it's a deeply Come philanthropic on. cat. Maybe it's Stop a cat it. with very good intentions. I mean, we I have hope no she idea outlives the, the cat. Money either. We hope she outlives the cat. You're, listen, I'm a Taylor Swift fan, but you guys are Swifties, and you're going overboard here. This is ridiculous. I didn't write this article. 
Okay. Somebody say, but I want you to admit it's a ridiculous story. Of course Both it is. Right now. Of course it okay, is. The cat you. doesn't right? have a net worth, but it is. Thank you. But it's funny to think about the fact that, like, it, technically, through his, through the cat's body of work, it's worth more money. Than I was going to say, Dad, I think you're just intimidated that the cat's also worth more than you. I think that's what this is about. You're jealous that the cat's rich. I like the story about the micro penis better than the, the net worth of the cat. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it's, it's, man, you and the, you and the wieners, you and the wieners. Well, no, we're going away from both of these things and we're going to finish okay. up in a much more normal and understandable place, Jesse, which is the potential of eight to 10 foot tall aliens at a mall in Miami. Speaking of, of small objects, um, oh. the, there was, so there was videos from an outdoor mall in Miami. Okay. That had these wild claims going around on the internet that aliens had landed on Earth. Um, the truth is, you know, obviously not that there's an alien invasion happening. So last week, basically, a group of about 50 teens caused a riot at Bayside Marketplace, an outdoor mall. It's about five miles from South Beach. So apparently, they were setting off fireworks. They were refusing to leave, blah, blah, blah. But there's video of like a gray object moving, and there was such a big police force. This is just how the internet does the internet. The internet was internetting, and someone was like, it was aliens, and they're trying to cover it. It's a cover up that there was like a teen riot, and really, aliens are invading. So basically, by Friday afternoon, Miami Mall Alien was trending on Twitter. So I'm going to ask both of you this, and whoever wants to start, you go ahead, okay? So of the three stories we talked about, which is the most plausible? Marketing a penis, a cat with a net worth, or there are aliens somewhere on this planet? Mike, go. I thought you were going to ask how well hung we thought the aliens were at this <laughs> oh, point. come on! I'm not like that. I'm asking a legitimate question right now. This is capital J journalism, Gojo. Come on. Right now, Mike, marketing a penis, a cat with a net worth, or aliens on the earth somewhere as we speak. What's the most plausible thing? The, the aliens on the earth absolutely is plausible yes. and easy to me. Yes. Like, I don't understand how anyone could poo-poo this. Now, the fact that we would somehow be led to believe that in a day and age where everyone's got camera phones, and I get we all think the government, oh, men in black, they'd come in and they'd corral any footage of that. Right. Like, it's 2024, man. Cell phone footage is everywhere. If Bigfoot or aliens are out there actually somewhere, we're going to get a cell phone video of them that's better than the overhead cop footage that we got of yep. this one. That was always ridiculous but yes they're out here among us and they probably shop online like the rest of us not at the mall anymore jesse which is the most plausible thing i mean uh, aliens is quite plausible but if you're talking about like which one if i had to choose one to market it would probably be bass pro shops guy like that would that that would do like you said you could you could find a way in today's day and age in today's See? internet there you go. That's all I wanted to do. I wanted to act, just say out loud, market a penis. That's yeah. all I wanted to say. Mm -hmm. So I, You know what? I've, I've done my job. The show can end. Yeah, well, we mission accomplished, if you will. I'd say it might be over for good after all this because I don't know what the uh, internet FCC regulations are on saying penis as many times as we said penis today. It. There's two more for good measure. Everybody, have a great day. Download, subscribe, rate, and review us. We'll see you tomorrow. Penis. <laughs>